this time she wasn't having it. She started running at me. And so I was like, okay, I've heard these things can run fast. Let's see. So I'm like, walking, <laughs> walking backwards to what see you how got. fast she's going to move. Welcome to Stand Up Pedal Action. Welcome everyone to Stand Up Pedal Action. Back in the studio here, we have a very special guest with us today. He is a local legend, a Air Force service member. Uh, thank you for your service. And a rising single speed champion. <laughs> Recently has won the Growler and the Dakota 5.0, which uh, those are pretty burly races if you know them. Beyond that, he's become a pretty great friend as we've gotten to journey a little bit and uh, ride around in the springs. And he also has given lots of his time to coaching youngsters. So welcome, Brett Billings. Thank you, guys. I am super happy to be here. Really looking forward to this. Yeah, man. It's super fun having you in the studio. I should say you're, you're also one of the only people that I've ever met that can wheelie a road bike. So <laughs> for apparently indeterminate periods of time. I'm getting there. It's getting better. But, <laughs> okay. But yeah. It's um, a little better on the mountain bike than, than on the gravel or road bike. All right. So before we get into the story, how do you do that? Because neither Josh or I can wheelie well. We're just going to admit that. Um, I think it's all about how you start. It's all about the, okay. the first pedal stroke. And yeah. How many times know. have you looped out a gravel bike or a road bike? Um, I think zero, but when I was first learning to clip in, <laughs> different story, different story. There was multiple times where I've looped out and like landed on my back yep. in front of people, in front of passersby that <laughs> it's super embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. It's right. happened. It's part right. of the journey. Part of the journey. <laughs> Definitely. I think that's why, you know, we haven't got it yet. It's too afraid to commit yeah, enough. <laughs> to want to land on my back in the street. Yeah. yeah. Got to commit. Yep. Yeah. All right, practice on grass, kids. That's that's the lesson. And wear like regular shoes, not clip-ins. Yeah, also true. Helpful. Yeah. All right, Brett. So as we do with most of our guests, we would love to hear to begin with, sort of where you came from mm -hmm. and how you got into cycling. So paint us a picture. Okay, I came from a little town in northern Illinois, almost at the Wisconsin border, northeastern Illinois, a town called Lindenhurst. Um, where my mom was at, mm -hmm. and then my dad was in a town called Wakanda, like uh, like in that movie, the Marvel oh, yeah. movie. Wow, Wakanda, it Illinois. does yeah, exist. It's a different it place exists. than you think, yes. Yeah, it's a little different. Not quite um, so verdant. But yeah, grew up in northern Illinois, Lake County. Actually could ride a motorcycle before a bicycle. I had training wheels on a little Yamaha 50, did some ice racing. <laughs> no way. Did some wow. ice racing growing up, um, and then I think... Wait, they were running ice racing on Yamaha 50s? Oh yeah, I was, I mean, I was five years old, so <laughs> you know, it's put screws in the tires and, and go run laps on the lake. It How was, often did you bake it into some hay bales or something in a turn? So that's what got me to, not me, got me to quit, but that's what ended my motocross career, if you will, is <laughs> right. five-year-old gets snow up his glove in freezing cold Northern Illinois, Wisconsin weather and goes crying to his mom and doesn't want to race anymore. And mom's like, well, if you don't finish this heat, we're going home and you're not racing anymore. And I never raced again. So, wow. but oh. there, I mean, there's more to that. My, mm -hmm. my, um, stepdad growing up, him and his brother grew up racing motocross and they both had kids and the, the wives, my mom and my aunt were both like, you guys are done breaking bones. They had both broken legs and arms and collarbones racing motocross so they're like you guys have kids now find something else to do with your time so foreshadowing for somebody who ended up in mountain biking later but we'll get back to that yeah i mean it, that's literally what led me to mountain biking was those my stepdad and my uncle they they actually started a mountain bike race in the 90s at the motocross track that they used to race at no so that way. was my first mountain bike race it's well, impressive because we all know that motocross tracks are great for mountain biking. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I could tell you about hitting a double on a freaking mountain bike in 1992 on like a fully rigid oh. a motocross double. It was not a good ending. <laughs> okay, do tell. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, so that, that course called Maplehurst in um, Spring Grove, Illinois, I believe is where it was, just okay. south of the Wisconsin border. It had this, it, 
a toboggan hill in the winter, sledding hill, toboggan hill in the winter, but it was part of the motocross course. You would like go down and then you would hit this U-turn and like scream back up the hill. Um, and that they put that in the, this mountain bike race. And if you know motocross track, like it gets deep ruts. And I'm, I think I was 13 years old and bombed the hill, ended up in a rut to send it. And it was all good. I landed great, but I landed in a rut and didn't land straight. So oh. I kind of, oh, no. I tumbled and got my big Johnson t-shirt that I was racing in all dirty because I crashed pretty nasty. <laughs> big Johnson. I have not thought about those t-shirts <laughs> yeah, yeah, in right. probably 25 years. Right. Yeah, me either. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's how really the mountain biking started was mm-hmm. through that. And then I was, I was hooked. And so what was this, what was the mountain biking scene like at that point? Was it just like a bunch of weekend warriors or was it anybody who could actually bring the heat? Yeah. I don't even remember. I was so young and we Mm -hmm. would just, we would travel like throughout, um, Illinois and Wisconsin has that war series that's been going on for like, that's gotta be the longest running series in the country. I think one of them anyway. Yeah. Um, so we would travel occasionally when we could to get up to those and, you know, I was doing it once a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know there were dudes that were really good and I was just like, holy cow, how do you ever get to be that good at riding a bike? Yeah. All we had was like forest preserve, wood chip trails and, and streets and like, and the old dirt jumps that we would build in the neighborhood. Oh yeah. All cut wrong. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you make it up to Kettle Moraine? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Quite a bit. I've, but that was a little later. That was, um, kind of in my high school and call not college, but after college got up to kettle quite a bit. All right. Yeah. Did you play any other sports during this time? Like a good yeah, Illinois boy I would. grew up playing soccer. I grew up playing a lot of soccer. I've, um, I'm going to put air quotes around that for what it was in the nineties in America. <laughs> oh, for, yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> it's, it's gotten so much better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I grew up playing soccer. Um, Although I'm guessing there was probably some pretty competitive leagues in Chicago at that time. Absolutely. I mean, Chicago, if you think about it, that kind of melting pot, there's a lot of European uh, folks that come over and play some pretty competitive soccer. Yeah. Um, I got myself onto a, a club team that was a, a mix of five or six high schools. And we we dominated the local region and would travel quite a bit. We played a lot of indoor um, and then I had a partial scholarship to play in college and didn't end up going that route. I, um, was about to try out for the air force team when I was active duty air force back in 2001. Um, some guys at Nellis air force base were trying to get me to try out and, uh, 9-11 happened and didn't get that opportunity. And then got out of the air force, went to college, played again, um, played for the, Played on a minor indoor soccer league team and then played for the Chicago Fire Feeder team after I got on active duty for a very brief stint. And no then, way. Yeah. Talk us through that. What was that like? It was a bunch of older gentlemen that <laughs> really had no business trying out for the Chicago Fire, but <laughs> it, it was people like, it, I, I just got kind of... um talked up i guess uh some friends that played in college were like this kid can play give him a shot and i played on the team for a season and like the team kind of fell apart and yeah that's about how it how it ended but what was your uh what position you play i'm mostly? a defender by trait and okay in in high school i went to two high schools at wakanda i played more midfield and forward because we didn't have a ton of talent so i would try to go score goals instead of Sitting in the back, getting scored on and feeling, feeling terrible, feeling about, terrible it. Yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So that probably helped the engine grow over the years. I think so. Um, I think it has, I can definitely go run still. I don't like running, but I can still do it because <laughs> so many 90 minute games back to back, you know, doing that since I was probably eight years old till I was in my thirties, early thirties. Mm. Yeah. So Man. yeah, it's there. Clearly, clearly. <laughs> so from soccer, yep. team sport, lots of people to cycling. Yep. Solo. Yeah. Um, it, so I think what really led me into it was I got hurt uh, kicking a soccer ball bef- without warming up a few years ago. I have this like kind of hole in my quad still that I haven't gone to have looked at. 
Um, and it really made me go just, I could still run, I could still bike. I just can't kick a ball with my right foot anymore. Oh. And that's my dominant foot. I can't even pass a ball. It, it just, it hurts. Josh, is there a uh, medical designation for hole in the quad? I mean, I, I think it just, I think it just moved. The, the muscle moved. You can see it mm. if I, if I were to show you. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. That's rather <laughs> perplexing. If we find a diagnosis for that, we'll put it in the show notes. But ahead of that. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I had been into cycling here mm -hmm. already when I moved to Colorado. It's, it's why part of the reason I moved here, I wanted to ride bikes. I had been here visiting a couple times when I was in college. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up with my stepdad and my uncle riding bikes, like I had a subscription to mountain bike action and like oh, everything yeah. was in Colorado and California. So I've wanted to be here since I was a kid. So the transition from like when I couldn't play soccer anymore, I was like, I can ride bikes all the time, then that's fine. Yeah. You're like, there it is. Yeah. So during those high school and college years, was the cycling just kind of backseat or just as time allowed? Definitely just no big deal. as time allowed. So mm -hmm. like it was, gosh, Northern Illinois, you, I didn't see other people, other kids riding bikes. Like it's amazing that we see all these kids riding bikes now. Yeah. But when I was growing up, when I was in middle school, high school, like I would put a helmet on and feel like a nerd because I was the only kid my age riding a bicycle, especially with a helmet on. Like, what are you doing? But I mean, it was so oh, yeah. fun to go like rip my Trek 800 Antelope fully rigid bike in the, in the forest preserve. And nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a freeing, like new experience. And it was, so you're talking about like going from a team sport to an individual sport, like yeah, it's it's all by yourself. It's fully fully dependent on on you for the most part. Yeah, unless you've got a team behind you or something. Which in Illinois in the nineties and early two thousands, nobody had. No, I mean, no. there's like two dudes who were on a team of some kind back there, and nobody else. Sure. Yeah, yeah. it was the same for me. Like growing up, yep. Southern Illinois. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you just find some nasty weedy forest <laughs> area that probably is full of poison ivy and snakes yep. and things. And yep. You just go riding out there until you wreck your huffy and then you have to go back and get yeah. something better. Yep. So my giant, whatever it was, ATX 860 or something, like piece of crap road geometry, air quotes, mountain bike. Yep. But you know what? It's, it got the job done. Right. And you didn't know any different probably. No, none of us did. Yeah, you weren't riding the bikes we're riding today back then. Not even close. Yep. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> a little different. first real bike along that line. Yep. And we're going to, I mean honorable mention to the antelope but yeah so my first real bike that i got from a bike shop was a bmx bike zion schwinn sold mongoose and track and schwinn obviously mm -hmm. back when schwinn was not sold in walmart and made you know whatever but I, I, it, was a, <laughs> it was a mongoose expert pro it had like chromoly with purple stuff on i got like purple black widow pedals which led me to my first set of stitches, followed nice. a week later by my second set of stitches. Story time. In my Story shin. time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you get you get the BMX bike and you gotta show it off and hit some jumps. And I slipped a pedal and it hit me in the shin. And like you can see it's the shin the skin on your shin is so thin. Yeah. You, like it's just it stopped it wasn't even bleeding yet. I could see white and I was like getting nauseous and almost fainting because I thought I was seeing bone. <laughs> <laughs> and I ride home and it's finally bleeding all over the place, like down into my shoe. And my mom has to rush me to the hospital to get stitches. The mm. doctor stitches me up and is like, All right, no riding a bike for like two to three weeks till these heal up. Literally four to five days later, I was back in the ER getting more stitches. <laughs> Was it the same doctor? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, but like my dad was coming to pick me up from my mom's house that day and she had to call and be like, we're going back to the hospital because Brett's getting more stitches in his shin. Wait, was it the same shin? It was the same shin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Strong work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you at least rip the old stitches out? I don't think so. I think it hit like right above them. There's <laughs> like two sets in there. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you have like a, a posse of friends that spurred you on in these things or was it yeah, kind of solo? There was, it, well, for, for BMX, yes, there was always like the older kids that were doing jumps, like in these different areas of our neighborhood. We were in like a newer development. So there was always places to build jumps where houses mm. were being built and lots of wood being left behind. So people were building ramps and jumps and mm. stuff everywhere. 
Um, so that was always fun to ride around town and go hit jumps everywhere. But as far as the mountain biking, it was just like my stepdad and like, it was mountain bike action really, I think is what it was. Mm. Like seeing people riding bikes on in, in mountains and in the trees, I was like, that's what I want to do. It's so funny because I think many people who ride today and who got into mountain biking recently have no idea what mountain bike action is. They might've never seen one or known, Sure. but to think how formative and central that magazine and a couple others were for a couple decades right. is amazing. Right. Cause that was also one of my entry points. Yep. I had like all my school books were covered in like mountain biking pictures while other people's were, I don't even like in sport, like football or yeah, yeah. stick and ball sports probably. And mm-hmm. I was, I love soccer and I, I grew up in Chicago. So I was a huge Bulls fan, Bears fan, Cubs fan, mm-hmm. um, love stick and ball sports, but I always wanted to, to do the bike when I wasn't playing soccer or. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you can just get away from wherever and go explore and hang out with friends. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. Hmm. So you mentioned that's part of the reason that you landed in Colorado. Between deciding that you loved biking to landing in Colorado, what what fits into that bit there? Well, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, geez, where do we even start this story? I mean, I went from playing soccer in college. I, I failed out of college, got a 0.0, joined the Air Force active duty, went to Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada, got out of that for a four-year tour of duty, mm-hmm. uh, went back to school at Southern Illinois Edwardsville um, mm-hmm. to try to play soccer there. I felt like I was too old at 23, even though I had already been offered a partial scholarship at Marion in Wisconsin. So long, yeah, long story short, I ended up going to Carbondale the next year and that I think is where I got into, I wanted to be an educator. I wanted to go to school to mm-hmm. be a, like a PE teacher. And I met this um, teacher, he was an automotive instructor and he was, he had created the um, Shawnee Mountain Bike Association trail building and he was working with the forest service. And um, he was just this incredible guy that got his summers off and then rode his bike all year long. and was incredible trail builder, good bike rider like fabricator he built this like chainsaw carrier for his mountain bike that was no way we can go out and do trail work um but yeah somewhere in there when i would just get burnt out on soccer in college i was like i want to get back to riding a bike it had started when i was active duty air force about to get out i got my first specialized epic Mm -hmm. in 2003 and then went back to college and not a lot of bike riding more more school partying and soccer and not so much bike riding, but I did join the cycling club. I did some, some road racing in Southern Illinois, St. Louis area, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. Kentucky area. Um, but then, yeah, so I did an internship out here at the air force Academy. And really once I got out here, I was like, okay, there's, this is, this is it. This is where the racing is. This is where all the best people are. And I get to at least go watch them race, if not compete against some of them and like if you do an open race, you're getting to race against pros. So you get to see how you really stand up. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's really that kind of transition from Air Force to college to moving to Colorado is what really focused me into the cycling thing. Yeah. Was that a teaching position at the Air Force Academy? No, um, I actually didn't end up getting a degree in education um, because I've like I said, I failed out of college. I got a 0.0 GPA when I was... That is... You got to work to yeah, get a, wow. a flat 0.0. Yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> we played a lot of soccer. We were a very competitive junior college team, but we were all we all knew each other from growing up. We, we ended up being um, 14th in the nation. We made it to sectionals. If we would have won our sectional game, we would not have been able to field a team at nationals because eight out of our starting 11 soccer players were ineligible to play by that point of the, of the school year. So we we hung out and partied way too much and we made it to soccer practice in all of our games. And that was important to us, but going to class was not as important. So that 0.0 trend, like that held on even after my four years of the air force went back to college, got a, like it was easy after being in the air force college was easy. Mm. I, I never had like a lesson, a, Three seven three eight to four zero, and then three years later, I apply for the ed program at Carbondale, and my advisor is like, 
You only have a 1.9 cumulative. You need like a 275 to get oh, into the oh, ed program no. here. You need another year and a half to two years of gen eds before we even get you in there. I was like, all right, well, what's the fastest way to a degree? And it was like a general degree or a recreation. And so I was like, what's this recreation all about? So I majored in recreation management. All right. There you go. So I did my internship at the academy um, at the outdoor rec up there. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, there ski trips, rafting, bike trips, bike mechanics, snowboard. There's a ski shop up there. They, they mm. rent skis. They rent bikes. They do all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, none of that sounds too bad, if it's we're honest. Not, yeah. Uh, the problem with living that life is like after you're helping customers for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, you don't really want to go home like and ride your bike. If you're wrenching on bikes or if you're doing a raft mm. trip, you're too tired to, to go ride a bike after that. Um, so it, it just burned me out pretty quick. And that's when I joined the, geez, I joined the Army Guard uh, to be try to be a Special Forces guy here in Colorado. And then I got hurt and then joined the Air Force Reserve. Which is where okay. I am today. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Yeah. Wow. So it's kind of all over the place, this whole journey, like into, into where we are today. And how would you describe your role in the reserves now? Uh, so I'm a flight chief. I'm a, I'm a master sergeant, senior NCO of um, a flight of about 20 something people. And we were a deployable uh, space unit in the Air Force Reserve. We have an active duty Space Force counterpart that we work alongside. We deployed to three locations. Uh, okay, hang on. You deployed the, to yeah, space? That, that's yeah. my next question. Yeah, I'm like, if you're in the Air Force or you're in the Navy, you deploy to places or you deploy to places that are watery. Yep. If you're Space Force, <laughs> yeah, I, where do you deploy? We deploy to other locations on planet Earth, and our effects are seen um, uh, from satellites uh, in okay. space. Very yeah. good. So I mean, you, you could have played that off as that you're an astronaut, essentially. Well, I have flown satellites before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Little, uh, little joystick <laughs> action, little Atari <laughs> 2600 controller. So when, we were, when I was up at Buckley, I was yeah. in the TT and C cell, the telemetry tracking and control cell that controls satellites. Mm -hmm. um, and when we would get new, new guys in, we would put a joystick at, in the cell and be like, this is how we fly the satellite. <laughs> <laughs> but really it's just a bunch of silly commands in, yeah. on a keyboard and computer yeah wow that's awesome i love it yeah um it's been a so, journey yeah so you've been you did some racing back in illinois back in you know kentucky yep. missouri yeah tell me about your first race here in colorado yeah do you, some do you people, recall? Yeah, some people put the time in and they know what they're getting into. Other people come out of here and just get their teeth kicked in. Yeah, I was, I was having a real hard time with the elevation. Um, I tried to run when I moved here. I was like, running is so hard here. Um, biking, I just felt slow. I felt like the roads were made. There was something wrong with the roads in Colorado. I was going so <laughs> slow. <laughs> rough pavement. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if it was the Ascent series, like mountain bike race over at Bear Creek, um, or if it was like a crit or something. I, I did quite a bit of road and crit racing back in the day. Um, I don't remember the very first race I did in Colorado, but I would imagine it was either the Ascent series or something like a crit mm -hmm. locally. Um, I know there was a, there was one in Pueblo that I did. I did pretty well in like a Cat 4 crit or something. Gosh, the first race that I re really remember is probably the Growler, like nine years ago, probably. Ooh. And that was, like you said, a kick in the teeth. Like, I love the techie aspect of that race because, like, Southern Illinois, super techie. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, but I also have a problem with cramping. And, geez, the Growler just, yeah, it, it <laughs> works you so good that I was, I think I was cramping. Like in places I didn't even know existed. It's a very crampy race. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's you're nice not steep. the only person at this table to have that problem. Yeah. Steep, punchy hills yep. with lots of techie moves. Full body movements. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's tough. Yeah. But so good. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> love that race. It's a fantastic race. So you, you've done it quite a few times then. I think I've done it. So I've done it one year I did it the half on Saturday and the full on Sunday. So I think I've done it like seven or eight times. Okay. But not 
that many years, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other standouts that you've taken part in, in the past few years here? Uh, like this last weekend? (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about that. Yeah, Yeah. let's talk Uh, about, well, if we're, yeah, we'll start with that. And then we got to get back to this last year's growler as well. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but you rode, you raced single speed for the first time. On mountain bike. On a mountain bike, correct. At this the year growler. at the growler. Correct. My lovely steed. <laughs> and you won. I did. I was, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was honored to be a part of that. <laughs> and probably a little mad. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Just honored. <laughs> so uh, talk about that, uh, that process. Because I remember you texting me saying, this is going to be terrible. Yep. Why would I do this? Yep. This makes no sense. Yep. And now you're racing single speed quite often. Yeah. So I wasn't not, I was not going to sign up for the growler this year, but you texted me and were, you said, I've got an entry. However, it's single speed. <laughs> and I said, All right, fine. It's a new challenge. I'll give it a shot. I said, I don't have a bike though, but maybe I can put something together. And you're like, well, I've got one you could borrow. And so so kind of you to let me borrow your bike (laughs) and it it worked flawlessly it's just it's a little small for me Mm -hmm. but i i certainly appreciate it and let me just back up and say i appreciate like that this new whole biking thing that you've introduced me to because it's it's a it's i'm addicted and it's going pretty well so Yes. Thank you. I owe all of this to you, oh, basically. Again, an honor. I've raced cross on a single speed before, but never a mountain bike on single speed. So mm. um, I think I rode it three times around Cheyenne Canyon, Red Rocks, just to kind of get a feel for the gear. And I was never going to change whatever gear you had on there. Like whatever Clute had on there, I was going to run it. And I texted you. I was like, is this the same gear you ran last year at this race? Because... I know how punchy the growler is. You're like, yeah, I think so. So I just went with it. And I don't know if I texted you, but I went and did a pre-ride the day before. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see how Kill Hill was going to treat me (laughs) on a single speed. Yeah. And so I've, I've done the growler many times. I've won the Kill Hill portion of the race. I've never won the race. I've been like top 10 before, but in the half we're talking, not the full. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've won the Kill Hill KOM before, and so I know what that's like. However, I've never done it on a single speed. So the day before, I go out there just to see if I can make it up the hill or if I'm going to be walking. And I get back to the KOA, and my glute, I feel like I tore my glutes trying to get myself (laughs) up Kill Hill on a single speed. Mm. I was like, there's no way I can race tomorrow. I was talking, like you thought you had injured yourself. I thought I had injured myself to the point where I went and checked on Jake and Nikki who were at the KOA as well. And um, I was like, guys, my legs hurt. My butt hurts so bad. <laughs> I, like, I feel like I tore a muscle. I don't know if I could make it tomorrow. And I woke up and I was like, I had no expectations. And I, I, was, I thought I was going to get dropped in the, you know, the lead-in to, to the gravel. Yeah. Because that's a three-and-a-half, four-mile trip. This is the slowest the cop car has ever gone. I was able to, like, spin my way at 120 RPMs to keep up with the field. <laughs> nice. And I hit the gravel, and I just kept working my way up, working my way up till I was at the front. And I was like, is this really happening right now? I looked behind me, and there's a gap, and I'm almost at the top. I'm like, I guess I'm taking the KOM on Kill Hill on a single speed. <laughs> and I got to the top and my left leg felt like it was on fire. And I was like, I, I'm done. I can't keep pedaling because I know there's another climb about to come up on this fire mm-hmm. road. So like 15 people catch me, but none of the single speeders caught me. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm still in this. Let me see if I can start picking people off. So that's what I did. I just picked people off all day and I ended up winning the single speed race by like 13 minutes. Yes, that is quite a feat, especially on that course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So so thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're so welcome. Yeah. And 
racing on single speed, it's something that's it's hard to describe. There's like camaraderie. Yep. Because everyone knows who the single speeders are. Yep. Because you're out there. Yeah, it's so obvious (laughs) that they're just bobbing, going going so fast. Their bodies all over their bikes to get up and over the trail and the rocks. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, you converted your own bike to single speed and did nationals, right? I I did state champs before it. Okay. So I, I should thank Nick from who you've had on and Criterium and his coworkers, his employees like AJ and some of those guys really took the time to help me get my, my specialized Epic dialed for, it's a full suspension bike that I turned into a single speed and like, yeah, we took off the, the hub driver and put a Shimano HG on there and mm-hmm. yeah, put a cog in a, just, you know, chain and it's good to go. It's been working. It's early single singulator on there. Uh, it's been fantastic. And then, yeah, Chris from Elevation was more than happy to help out with the hub, the mm. driver. It was just great. And it, it's been working great. And then, yeah, I took it to state champs uh, before nationals just to get another test. I ended up second at state champs. Yeah. For single speed. Nice. Yeah. And then, then nationals after that. Uh-huh. And that nationals course is also super tough on single speeds. And I made such a big mistake by not switching gears for that one. Mm. I, I heard Mackie rode a like 3220 or a 3020 even. Mm. So he was smooth going uphill and I was just struggling from the very start. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. I should have I should have experimented a little bit with some yeah. different gear ratios for that one. Yeah, it's kind of all up and all down. Yeah. Really, you don't have to have a big gear for that. Right. Exactly. If I would have been able to like sit down a little bit, like it was it was just a little too much. Mm-hmm. Or a lot too much, really. Well, then of course, this past weekend, yep. You did the Dakota 50. Yep. And and how did that go for you? Again, no expectations. Um, yeah, I went and we pre-rode it for the first five miles out and back because that's how it kind of does like a mm-hmm. big lollipop, if you will, kind of starts and finishes on the same seven miles or so. Checked it out the day before and it was like 95 degrees. And I was like, all right, this seems like it'll work. The gearing seems right. We'll see if I can hang on. Um, Jake was there. Jake had just come off of the gravel world single speed race where he won it 150 miles. Mm-hmm. And he was a defending champion in and single he's speed. he's a defending yeah. champion of the Dakota 5.0 single speed race. I was like, I don't know where I'm going to be. And then, and then I see you there or you, or you text me the night before or here you're coming up or Matheny texts me the night before and I see you there. I'm like, What? There's so much competition here. I had no expectations. Well, I knew that my bike had won something before. (laughs) (laughs) If I could make it some of that mojo. Yeah. 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 Didn't quite work for me, but it's all right. Well, I asked Josh after the race, I just texted him. I said, hey, how'd you do? And he said, well, it came just off the podium. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't think to ask who it was that had kept him off that podium. (laughs) Me and two two guys that you've had on your podcast gets right. off the podium. Right, quality fellows. That's right, <laughs> quality fellows. Who was the other? Well, Jake was finished. Oh, third. Jake. Yeah, he did single speed as well. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, how'd you take him down? Um, just again picking people off. Like I was in the front for the start. I felt really good. And then there was just a huge bottleneck. There's a couple big boulders that like right by the single track, um, off the gravel. And I got cut off by like 15 people somehow. Like I was really in the front, like, or the second row for the whole ride up. I tried to do as little work as possible, but still be close to like, Jake was right on my wheel. And like some other dude that I know was strong was right there with Jake. They did not like that I was on a full suspension single speed, by the way. Like, I'm not a purist. And, a little bit of hater. But it's there. not really a full suspension. Right. It's an epic, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So, um, bottleneck at the start of the single track, and I was 
past a couple people going up and then any chance I would get, I would just try to get around some people till I could see Jake. And I figured that other, there was only one other guy up there with Jake is what I assumed. So I finally caught up to him and was like, Hey, is anybody else up there? He's like, Nope, it's just the three of us now. And Jake kind of made an attack, like maybe 12 or 13 miles in, I think just to kind of feel how, how we were doing. And then as soon as he did that, like I just sat on his wheel the, and then the other guy, um, he made an attack, came around us, both of us and made an attack and we, we covered it. And then I was like, all right, well, I'll see what happens if I do this. And it was right before a descent and I got, I don't know, I just held on with some other geared guys and I never saw those guys again. That was, that was it. Wow. That's kind of wow. how I felt the day that we did the gravel ring peak <laughs> and you and Jake just <laughs> took off on the way to Victor and I'm just chilling back there like what just happened? That was such a fun I day. <laughs> I could not hold. Yeah, but then you descended like an animal all the way down high drive. I couldn't hold anybody's wheel coming down high drive. Wow. Wow. That was awesome. To that was a, such a good day. That was a really fun ride, yeah. It's worth mentioning that this year's Dakota 5.0 was record-breaking for heat. I believe it hit 102 at one point. And uh, that, was, that was pretty rough. Very rough. But you didn't have to experience it as long as I did, so <clears throat> congratulations. Yeah, well done. Thank you. Yeah, it was one of my concerns. I do not do well in the heat. Um, and I could feel it coming in those last, even in the trees, those last seven, 10 miles, mm -hmm. um, that long gravel road stretch before you finally get back into the trees. Like it was starting to get hot there. But then I think I didn't finish till like 11, 15 or so. And yeah, I think it was already 90 something degrees when we finished yeah. before, before noon, it was already in the nineties. Um, and the, the cramps were starting to come on. I was just like, hold on for as long as you can. Don't do too much work. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, that heat, that was insane. And those poor folks that were still finishing after like the, oh, the raffle, like 11 hours in. 11 uh, hours. They are, yeah. They are the true warriors. I'm telling you, like <laughs> they were out in that heat for 11 hours and they were still riding their bikes. At some point, the that pace does not matter. You are going to just be trashed out in the sun exposure. Yeah. That was oh, brutal. It was hot. <laughs> it was hot. But an amazing creek to lie down in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's obvious from your story and from anybody who's met you or tried to ride with you. I say tried because I'm thinking of a gravel day that Josh and I met you on with the rest of the Gravel Nation crew. And oh, yeah. you very casually while josh and i were putting out like 300 plus watts just looked at us and said hey what's going on up there at the front and rode away from us like we were standing still never to be seen again there was a dude on an e-bike <laughs> yes there was so he had to be caught he had to be caught <laughs> and punished <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he he didn't last too long yeah it should be noted that that guy you because you guys burned him all the way through his battery i think so and then left the, him to limp in home. the first few miles yeah <laughs> we just sat on his wheel and didn't come around and he just kept on the battery on his e-bike and we're like cool man thanks for the pull <laughs> If I'd have known that, we would have tried to bridge yeah, across. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you're clearly an individual who brings a ton of athleticism and conditioning and a really great engine to the sport. But what tips would you have for anybody? Or what would you say you've learned moving into single speed? Because that's not about just having the raw brute power. Mm -hmm. Like there's more to it than that especially to be landing on the podium pretty much every time you throw a leg over the bike. Yeah, I don't, I'm still figuring all of that out myself. Like today I was, sure. may have been doing a little bit of internet sleuthing. Um, <laughs> well, give us the hot take anyway. Yeah. So for me, like I'm considering going out to the East Coast for endurance mountain bike nationals for single speed. Oh, nice. Um, so I was looking at the course. Uh, I mean, it's, you just got to get out there and, and do it. Um, what I've come to find out is you, you need to know, like, are you willing to walk a little bit 
And what is that kind of gradient where you're just going to like, everybody else is probably going to have to walk and which, where are you going to be not making gains if you're still pedaling your bike versus, um, walking? Like Mm -hmm. I've been on rides before where stuff was super steep and I was walking next to somebody that had gears, but they were so spun out, like they weren't going any faster than I was, you know, on a geared bike. So I think, I think you just have to kind of play what you got to get out there and play with the single speed stuff and see what you can do and see what's too much and then see what gear you can push for however long you're looking to do that for. Um, the growler was an ultimate test. Like I just wanted to see if I could finish it. And I think that is the, one of the great things about the single speed is like, you're either going to ride up this or you're not. And when you start putting that all together and you're doing it, it's like, if it feels good to make it up that next little techie section or that long climb or, Mm -hmm. and then of course you're pushing a stronger gear than a lot of the geared folks. If you have the option to switch to an easier gear, you're probably going to do it, which means that on a single speed, you're going to be pushing a bigger gear and moving further. Um, so I think really the, the tips that I would suggest is just to, to try it and then try different cogs and, and, uh, play with the, the chain ring size. One of the things I learned today is if you're riding on techie stuff on a single speed, you're going to want a smaller chain ring to not bash, bash your chain. Mm. Um, so I might consider dropping down from a 32 to like a 30 and like a smaller, cause, uh, and then make cog. it up in the back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been just riding around town, mostly like um, in the Canyon on my single speed, um, seeing what I can, what I can do. Like yesterday I was up on St. Mary's and I walked a good portion of that because it's so it's loose and steep. steep. Yeah. 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 But I made it all the way up Buckhorn. So, and then, yeah, like in the Dakota five O there was some really steep stuff mm-hmm. where I knew I was with some geared guys and they were riding, but they weren't riding any faster than I was walking. So, yeah. Did you get to experience that, that joyous moment where you get stuck behind somebody who's in their 52 tooth, just <laughs> crawling <laughs> on single track? And they're like going just barely. Uh-huh. As and you're trying to you ride were, right. and you're just oh you're pedaling gosh. so slowly. That was that was the start of the single track for me, basically. Mm-hmm. I would just be like single speed back whenever you get a chance. And early in the race, and a lot of those guys are trying to race and hang on. And yeah. I had to make a couple bold moves in that early single track to get by a couple guys that didn't want to move, but they weren't climbing as fast. As, like, yeah, you're literally track standing behind some of these mm-hmm. guys. And you know you've got a techie section coming up, so you need that momentum. Yeah. It really is so much easier to do with speed. <laughs> yes. Carry it. <laughs> I didn't want to burn myself out in the first few miles just to like, yeah. Yeah. Push through that. Doing lunges. Yeah. <laughs> One-legged squats. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that is something to consider as well. If you're going to be single speeding a bunch, it's starting to work out your legs. I know. Mm-hmm. No, that's a thing. Or just ride single speed more. That'll help. <laughs> I was going to say, this sounds like great cross-training for tele-skiing, if that's mm. what you're into. Mm. I'd love to hear, if, if you thought about it much, what is it about riding bikes that you enjoy so much? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, it's an escape, if you will, from everyday life. It is, it's like a, it's a reboot from anything that's gone wrong in your day. It's it's fitness. So you're keeping in shape. It's meeting friends. And like, I know you guys through a bike. I know so many people that you guys have interviewed on this podcast Mm -hmm. because we all ride bikes. Um, it is a, that sense of competition that I've always, I've grown up with. I've played soccer like from a super early age at a very high level. So the bike was once, once they started doing open mountain bike races where you could race against a pro, I was like, okay, well, let me see how I, like, I know I'm not going to do good, but where do I stand against this guy that showed up? Like, literally, real pros can show up to an open race, and, like, Kelly McGelkey showed up to the first um, Spear, or Dakota 5.0 I did 10 years ago, and he was a huge name in the sport back in the day, 
And I was like, holy cow, I'm starting with this guy. And yeah. you get to see how you're doing. So that's one big aspect for me that, that's kept me going. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of things for me. It's a, it's like a, a brain dump, a mind dump, if you will. You just go out there, think about absolutely nothing. And then some cool things might pop into your brain at some times and like new ideas come into your head and it's, mm. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. So biking can be a lot of great things and you can have those amazing transcendent days when it all just floats away. Mm -hmm. There can also be some pretty rough days on a bike, which is why here at Supa, we play the little game of best day, worst day. So <laughs> if you were to think of the most horrible day you can remember on a bike, what comes to mind? Probably my birthday this year was the open range gravel race in Kansas, Pratt, Kansas. Mm. I did it last year and I had a similar outcome that I had this year. This year started out really well. Um, but man, I was on the side of the road multiple times cramping so bad without any water and yeah, like in the middle of nowhere, there was no cars coming by. There was no aid stations. There were no other cyclists. I didn't know if I was going to, yeah, it was, and it was hot. I was cramped to the point, like I couldn't unlock the cramps from my tricep without un something in my leg cramping. And then that leg would loosen and then something else would cramp. And then I would finally get up and get on my bike and spin in the easiest gear and then something else would cramp. Oh. That was, it's got to be the worst day on the bike. And how many miles is the race? The race the is road 130. Road 130. And how many miles did you get before the torture started? I want to say this year the torture started at about the same place it did last year, which is about mile 90 something or maybe 110 it's like it should, you should be rolling home and it's easy and it's only 20 to 30 miles to go. You've already broken that 100 mile threshold. And it's just like the headwinds start coming and the gravel gets deeper and you're all by yourself now because the group that you were with has long since dropped you. Um, and you're out of water. You can't get any more food in your stomach because you're so much sugar and gels. And yeah. Um, Everything looks the same. Oh my gosh, man. Like, yeah, I, I I knew I needed fluids and I knew I needed like stuff in my stomach, but my stomach was like nothing else is coming in here. <laughs> <laughs> Doors are shut. Not happening. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was I was watching a farmer come back and forth this year in his tractor, and he was like refilling the tractor with some fluids, and I'm like, I wonder if that's water. I could like get, make my way over there. I was like, for sure, there's chemicals in that. There's he. There's and, no way. Yeah. And he doesn't want to have some guy in spandex ask him for water anyway. So I just laid there for a while until I was finally able to get up and like spin my way to a park and grab some water. Finally make my way back in nine hours after I'd started. Wow. Tough day. That does sound like a pretty lousy day. Yeah. But I hope to go back again next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. With more water? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Maybe I'll wear a pack. That might be a good idea. There we go. Yeah. The controversial pack in a gravel race. Yeah, it can, can raise a lot of turmoil. <laughs> well, we often find that best days are harder to pick. Do yeah. you have uh, some thoughts? Um, It's, you got like recency bias happening right here, right now. It's... This weekend was amazing. The Growler was amazing. I love the Growler so much. Like when that started happening and like, I was like, is this really going to happen? That was such a great feeling. Mm -hmm. Even just the, the kill hill thing was like, oh, that, that was great. Um, and there's so many good days on a bike. It doesn't have to be a race. Um, I just think for me, what has happened since Memorial Day weekend racing single speed is been two really good days in there. Even even state champs was a really good day. My my 
dad and stepmom were out here visiting and my girlfriend was out there. Like that was a really fun day where they got to see me race a bunch on a multiple times because the laps were only like four miles. Um, finishing second for, for them to witness that was a really cool experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Dakota 5.0, like putting that whole thing, like having a really good day at a race is, it's just so rare for me to, to have that happen and to have it happen twice in one season. It's, it's been awesome. Yeah. It's excellent. That is sweet. Well, one of the other questions we tend to ask is, I mean, there's best days, there's worst days, and then there's just weird days. Oh, okay. I mean, bears, emus, yeah. we've had all kinds yep. of stuff. Definitely had my fair share with bears. Um, Have you hit one? Because Kip Bice yeah. did manage that yeah. feat. I, I listened to that podcast. I can't imagine. I think Seth has talked about hitting or almost hitting bears almost as hitting well. Bear, yeah. How close did you come? So two different times, just a couple of weeks ago, I was going up high drive and looking down at my computer, I guess, and there was a bear on high drive and I looked up and he's like from here to your porch, maybe was that 10 yards away? Uh -huh. Not even, yeah. And I think we scared each other so much because he started running away and I, because I skid as soon as I saw him. And so when he heard me skid, he, he just started running. Um, and then I came back down high drive 25 minutes later and he was back right there. So he started, like he saw me earlier this time. There was another time coming down Chamberlain trail. I almost hit a bear like out of a switchback. Um, and then there was another time in Ute where I was trying to get a close up picture of two cute cubs that were playing in a creek, but mama bear didn't oh, like that so that much. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't try to, don't even get close to cubs yeah. when mama's around. Brett break. Yeah. Breaks rule number three yeah. of living in Colorado. <laughs> bad, bad decision. Um, moose. I got chased by a moose while running in Vail a couple of years ago. That was one of the scariest things I've ever had experienced. Whoa. Um, trying to get back down like the cat trail that I had run up. It was getting dark and mama moose and her little baby are just grazing on some grass, but it's right next to the trail that I'm trying to run down and they see me, they look up at me, but I'm not moving. So they don't seem to care. I start like moving towards them and mom picks her heads up and starts hard up and starts walking towards me. So I back up, but then I have like, I don't know how to get back down to the hotel where I was staying. So I need to go like past this moose somehow. Mm. And she was too busy eating to move. So I once again tried to like run like around her a little bit. And this time she wasn't having it. She started running at me. And so I was like, okay, I've heard these things can run fast. Let's see. So I'm like, walking, <laughs> walking right backwards to what see you how got. fast she's going to move. And it must have been 50 yards in just a couple seconds. She was back, like covering so much ground so fast. And now I'm running uphill at like 8,000 feet, 9,000 feet in Vail. And I jumped into a um, snowmaking machine, a snowmaking gun well to oh try to hide gosh. from this moose. And like, I don't know how long I need to stay down so she doesn't know where I'm at. So it's like lift my head up and she's like back down in the same spot, eating with her little baby again. Mm. And so I like I wake one more move and she comes back at me again and I'm just like hiding behind a tree this time and then they take their time to like cut across the trail and finally get get going but that was that was one of the scariest things sounds from, pretty terrifying yeah there was scary thing like the most scary thing was I was I don't know if I was shot at but someone shot a gun while I was riding my bike from my old house probably seven years ago Ooh. Yeah. I was leaving my house near Memorial Park Prospect Lake. This mm. does increase the chance of a gun being shot in your vicinity. Yeah. Early morning on like a Saturday or Sunday. So not a whole lot of people out making a ride on the Fountain Boulevard. And like there's a bike lane right there. So a cyclist coming to a complete stop at a stop sign at that spot like doesn't really make a difference. I'm not like going in the road. This guy had a huge problem with it apparently. He tried to run me off the road 
in him doing that, I like pushed off his truck and hit his mirror, his side view mirror, pushed it in. And then like I hopped up onto the curb and he gunned it down fountain, which is a huge hill towards like downtown. And I hit Institute, I think there's a light there Mm -hmm. and I'm cruising downhill now at this point where you can get up to like 35, 40 miles an hour. And I watch him like flip a U-turn in the middle and just like gun his car truck at me. He's probably doing 70. The speed limit's like 35. And I'm like in a tuck on my mountain bike at like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, is this dude going to just run into me at this speed? And then I just, I watch an arm come out the driver's side window. And there's a gun in his hand and I just hear bang, bang, bang. And assuming he shot it up in the air because I couldn't really see anything. But yeah, called the police immediately and nothing ever happened, of course. Oof. Wow. Yeah. Those are some pretty intense encounters. Yeah. That you're still here with us. <laughs> yeah. That one was the worst. For I sure. mean, we've heard some encounters with cars, but that's definitely the first person on the show that I think has been directly shot at in the act of cycling. Mm. Wow. Yep. Some people just don't like cyclists on their roads. That is true. That is absolutely true. No. And And we do have those new laws, though. Yep. That is true. There are new laws in the state of Colorado allowing cyclists to treat stop signs differently. Many motorists do not yet know about them. Mm -hmm. They don't. Yeah, which is a shame. Well, instead of ending on that note. (laughs) Yeah, we can't end on that. what, uh, What are some hopes for the cycling world that you have? Like, if you could pick out where you'd love to see things go from here. And it could be you cycling, it could be racing, it could be culture. Just anything goes. What would you love to see? So locally, I would like to see cyclists wave at each other. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think, I think we could create a nice little community of cyclists that aren't against each other or don't look down upon each other based on what kind of bike we're riding at the time. Like I know a lot Unless of us. Unless it's an e-bike. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Those guys are fair game. I think, uh, I think those are also called motorcycles. They are. Um, Mopeds. Yeah. I mean, those electric motors are still motors, right? I think so. Uh, just a thought. But you know, the motorcycle culture is very friendly to right. one another. And they do right. lots of waving. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I think, a lot of us that do enjoy racing, riding, multiple disciplines of, of the bicycle understand that like, oh, that's somebody else out enjoying a bike ride or training or whatever they're doing. They're on two wheels. But then I think there's a, some other subculture that I don't really understand of folks that are like, they're in a different kit. They're on a different kind of bike. I can't wave at them. Or, or maybe they're just from a big city where like I grew up around Chicago where people just don't look at each other when they're passing each other or you know like there's a thousand cyclists that you pass and you don't know them you're never going to see them again why would you wave but i think we're small enough here where we can be like a nice wave and a howdy or how you doing Mm -hmm. that would be fun nice i love that it would be fun Yeah. yeah yeah it's a small thing but it could carry carry weight right yeah maybe even to the e-bikes (laughs) <laughs> sure well they're getting small <laughs> enough they're getting small enough with those batteries yeah. now it's harder to tell so just, we'll wave. just wave yeah just wave motorcycles you know yeah two wheels excellent yeah. well it has been great having you on the show and hearing a little bit about some of your experiences and your journey uh i hope there will be much more to come in that realm as we get to continue riding together you throw down and push me to my limits and beyond yeah. Should you not mention that the the Coda Five O was your first race of the year and you finished just off the podium? You probably should mention that. <laughs> I did a couple. There was also I seem to remember. Was there a little bit of duel going on last year at the Apex? Oh my gosh! Between the two of you, you and that damn dinosaur. <laughs> uh, yeah. How many miles did you have to sit there knowing he was just a couple minutes ahead of you? I was thinking about this yesterday. I was like, 
freaking Josh in his baggy shorts and his baggy shirt and that stupid dinosaur, and I can't keep up with him on the climbs. <laughs> like, uh, what is going on? Yeah, yeah there's definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a different year. Yeah. <laughs> Had a little more training under me. But yeah, you, you have enough fitness where you can show up to a single speed race and finish right Top there. Top five, yeah. I was thankful for that. Definitely <laughs> felt a lot worse than it turned out. Yeah. Yeah. These are the reasons I feel like a total poser when I'm sitting at this table most of the time, because that's what's usually here between Josh and whoever's sitting in your chair, Brett. Yeah, it's, yeah. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> well, you're probably not going to see me on as many single speed podiums just yet. Just yet. But uh, for those of you out there, the next time you're at a single speed race, take a look at the podium afterwards. You're probably going to see Brett. If you don't see him there, just wave at every cyclist that you pass because it might be him. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Brett, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, guys. If you want to know more about stand-up pedal action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.